Chapter Three, Section Seven of the Greek View of Life by Goldsworthy Lowes Dickinson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Geeson. Chapter Three, Section Seven, Illustrations, Iscomachus, Socrates such then was the character of the greek conception of excellence the account we have given may seem somewhat abstract and ideal but it gives the general formula of the life which every cultivated greek would at any rate have wished to live and in confirmation of this point we may adduce the testimony of xenophon who has left us a description evidently drawn from life of what he conceives to be the perfect type of a gentleman the interest of the account lies in the fact that xenophon himself was clearly an average greek one that is to say of good natural parts of perfectly normal faculties and tastes undisturbed by any originality of character or mind and representing therefore as we may fairly assert the ordinary views and aims of an upright and competent man of the world his description of the gentleman therefore may be taken as a representative account of the recognised ideal of all that class of athenian citizens and this is how the gentleman in question iscomachus describes his course of life in the first place he says i worship the gods next i endeavour to the best of my ability assisted by prayer to get health and strength of body reputation in the city good-will among my friends honourable security in battle and an honourable increase of fortune at this point socrates who is supposed to be the interlocutor interrupts do you really covet wealth he asks with all the trouble it involves certainly i do is the reply for it enables me to honour the gods magnificently to help my friends if they are in want and to contribute to the resources of my country here definitely and precisely expressed is the ideal of the athenian gentleman the beautiful body housing the beautiful soul the external aids of fortune friends and the like and the realization of the individual self in public activity upon it follows an account of the way in which iscomachus was accustomed to pass his days he rises early he tells us to catch his friends before they go out or walks to the city to transact his necessary business if he is not called into town he pays a visit to his farm walking for the sake of exercise and sending on his horse 
on his arrival he gives directions about the sowing ploughing or whatever it may be and then mounting his horse practises his military exercises finally he returns home on foot running part of the way takes his bath and sits down to a moderate midday meal this combination of physical exercise military training and business arouses the enthusiasm of socrates how right you are he cries and the consequence is that you are as healthy and strong as we see you and one of the best riders and the wealthiest men in the country this little prosaic account of the daily life of an athenian gentleman is completely in harmony with all we have said about the character of the greek ideal but it comprehends only a part and that the least spiritual of that rich and many-sided excellence it may be as well therefore to append by way of compliment the description of another personality exceptional indeed even among the greeks yet one which only greece could have produced the personality of socrates no more striking figure is presented to us in history none has been more vividly portrayed and none in spite of the originality of mind which provoked the hostility of the crowd is more thoroughly hellenic in every aspect physical intellectual and moral that socrates was ugly in countenance was a defect which a greek could not fail to note and his snub nose and big belly are matters of frequent and jocose allusion but apart from these defects his physique it appears was exceptionally good he was sedulous in his attendance at the gymnasia and was noted for his powers of endurance and his courage and skill in war plato records it of him that in a hard winter on campaign when the common soldiers were muffling themselves in sheepskins and felt against the cold he alone went about in his ordinary cloak and barefoot over the ice and snow and he further describes his bearing in a retreat from a lost battle how there you might see him just as he is in the streets of athens stalking like a pelican and rolling his eyes calmly contemplating enemies as well as friends and making very intelligible to anybody even from a distance that whoever attacked him would be likely to meet with a stout resistance to this efficiency of body corresponded in accordance with the greek ideal a perfect balance and harmony of soul plato in a fine figure compares him to the wooden statues of silenus 
which concealed behind a grotesque exterior beautiful golden images of the gods of these divine forms none was fairer in socrates than that typical greek virtue temperance without a touch of asceticism he knew how to be contented with a little his diet he measured strictly with a view to health naturally abstemious he could drink when he chose more than another man but no one had ever seen him drunk his affections were strong and deep but never led him away to seek his own gratification at the cost of those he loved without cutting himself off from any of the pleasures of life a social man and a frequent guest at feasts he preserved without an effort the supremacy of character and mind over the flesh he neither starved nor pampered here is a description by plato of his bearing at the close of an all-night carouse which may stand as a concrete illustration not only of the character of socrates but of the meaning of temperance as it was understood by the greeks aristodemus said that eryximachus phaedrus and others went away he himself fell asleep and as the nights were long took a good rest he was awakened towards daybreak by a crowing of cocks and when he awoke the others were either asleep or had gone away there remained awake only socrates aristophanes and agathon who were drinking out of a large goblet which they passed round and socrates was discoursing to them aristodemus did not hear the beginning of the discourse and he was only half awake but the chief thing which he remembered was socrates compelling the other two to acknowledge that the genius of comedy was the same as that of tragedy and that the true artist in tragedy was an artist in comedy also to this they assented being drowsy and not quite following the argument and first of all aristophanes dropped off then when the day was already dawning agathon socrates when he had laid them to sleep rose to depart aristodemus as his manner was following him at the lyceum he took a bath and passed the day as usual in the evening he retired to rest at his own house with this quality of temperance was combined in socrates a rare measure of independence and moral courage he was never an active politician but as every athenian citizen was called at some time or another to public office he found himself on a critical occasion responsible for putting a certain proposition to the vote in the assembly 
it was a moment of intense excitement a great victory had just been won but the generals who had achieved the success had neglected to recover the corpses of the dead or to save the shipwrecked it was proposed to take a vote of life or death on all the generals collectively socrates as it happened was one of the committee whose duty it was to put the question to the assembly but the proposition was in itself illegal and socrates with some other members of the committee refused to submit it to the vote every kind of pressure was brought to bear upon the recalcitrant officers orators threatened friends besought the mob clamoured and denounced finally all but socrates gave way he alone an old man in office for the first time had the courage to obey his conscience and the law in face of an angry populace crying for blood and as he could stand against a mob so he could stand against a despot at the time when athens was ruled by the thirty tyrants he was ordered with four others to arrest a man whom the authorities wished to put out of the way the man was guilty of no crime and socrates refused i went quietly home he says and no doubt i should have been put to death for it if the government had not shortly after come to an end these however were exceptional episodes in the career of a man who was never a prominent politician the main interest of socrates was intellectual and moral an interest however rather practical than speculative for though he was charged in his indictment with preaching atheism he appears in fact to have concerned himself little or nothing with either theological or physical inquiries he was careful in his observance of all prescribed religious rites and probably accepted the gods as powers of the natural world and authors of human institutions and laws his originality lay not in any purely speculative views but in the pertinacious curiosity practical in its origin and aim with which he attacked and sifted the ethical conceptions of his time what is justice what is piety what is temperance these were the kinds of questions he never tired of raising pointing out contradictions and inconsistencies in current ideas and awakening doubts which if negative in form were positive and fruitful in effect his method in pursuing these inquiries was that of cross-examination in the streets in the market in the gymnasia at meetings grave and gay 
in season or out of season he raised his points of definition the city was in a ferment around him young men and boys followed and hung on his lips wherever he went by the charm of his personality his gracious courtesy and wit and the large and generous atmosphere of a sympathy always at hand to temper to particular persons the rigours of a generalising logic he drew to himself with a fascination not more of the intellect than of the heart all that was best and brightest in the youth of athens his relation to his young disciples was that of a lover and a friend and the stimulus given by his dialectics to their keen and eager minds was supplemented and reinforced by the appeal to their admiration and love of his sweet and virile personality only in ancient athens perhaps could such a character and such conditions have met the sociable outdoor city life the meeting-places in the open air and especially the gymnasia frequented by young and old not more for exercise of the body than for recreation of the mind the nimble and versatile athenian wits trained to preternatural acuteness by the debates of the law courts and the assembly all this was exactly the environment fitted to develop and sustain a genius at once so subtle and so humane as that of socrates it is the concrete presentation of this city life that lends so peculiar a charm to the dialogues of plato the spirit of metaphysics puts on the human form and dialectic walks the streets and contends in the palaestra it would be impossible to convey by citation the cumulative effect of this constant reference in plato to a human background but a single excerpt may perhaps help us to realise the conditions under which socrates lived and worked here then is a description of the scene in one of those gymnasia in which he was wont to hold his conversations upon entering we found that the boys had just been sacrificing and this part of the festival was nearly at an end they were all in white array and games at dice were going on among them most of them were in the outer court amusing themselves but some were in a corner of the apoditerium playing at odd and even with a number of dice which they took out of little wicker baskets there was also a circle of lookers-on one of whom was lucis he was standing among the other boys and youths having a crown upon his head like a fair vision and not less worthy of praise for his goodness than for his beauty 
we left them and went over to the opposite side of the room where finding a quiet place we sat down and then we began to talk this attracted lucy's who was constantly turning round to look at us he was evidently wanting to come to us for a time he hesitated and had not the courage to come alone but first of all his friend menexenus came out of the court in the interval of his play and when he saw ctesippus and myself came and sat by us and then lucis seeing him followed and sat down with him and the other boys joined i turned to menexenus and said son of demophon which of you two youths is the elder that is a matter of dispute between us he said and which is the nobler is that a matter of dispute too yes certainly and another disputed point is which is the fairer the two boys laughed i shall not ask which is the richer i said for you two are friends are you not certainly they replied and friends have all things in common so that one of you can be no richer than the other if you say truly that you are friends they assented i was about to ask which was the greater of the two and which was the wiser of the two but at this moment menexenus was called away by someone who came and said that the gymnastic master wanted him i supposed that he had to offer sacrifice so he went away and i asked lucis some more questions such were the scenes in which socrates passed his life of his influence it is hardly necessary here to speak at length in the well-known metaphor put into his mouth by plato he was the gadfly of the athenian people to prick intellectual lethargy to force people to think and especially to think about the conceptions with which they supposed themselves to be most familiar those which guided their conduct in private and public affairs justice expediency honesty and the like such was the constant object of his life that he should have made enemies that he should have been misunderstood that he should have been accused of undermining the foundations of morality and religion is natural and intelligible enough and it was on these grounds that he was condemned to death his conduct at his trial was of a piece with the rest of his life the customary arts of the pleader the appeal to the sympathies of the public the introduction into court of weeping wife and children he rejected as unworthy of himself and of his cause his defence was a simple exposition of the character and the aims of his life 
so far from being a criminal he asserted that he was a benefactor of the athenian people and having after his condemnation to suggest the sentence he thought appropriate he proposed that he should be supported at the public expense as one who had deserved well of his country after his sentence to death having to wait thirty days for its execution he showed no change from his customary cheerfulness passing his time in conversation with his friends so far from regretting his fate he rather congratulated himself that he would escape the decadence that attends upon old age and he had if we may trust plato a fair and confident assurance that a happy life awaited him beyond he died according to the merciful law of athens by drinking hemlock the wisest and justest and best in plato's judgment of all the men that i have ever known we have dwelt thus long on the personality of socrates familiar though it be not only on account of its intrinsic interest but also because it is peculiarly hellenic that sunny and frank intelligence bathed as it were in the open air a gracious blossom springing from the root of physical health that unique and perfect balance of body and soul passion and intellect represent against the brilliant setting of athenian life the highest achievement of the civilization of greece the figure of socrates no doubt has been idealized by plato but it is none the less significant of the trend of hellenic life no other people could have conceived such an ideal no other could have gone so far towards its realization end of chapter three section seven recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey